could say I'll take you, I could say I'll make you, but underneath all I plan to do to do is break you. You could be my breakthrough, watching demons wait till I leave you and they can initiate you. No one understands me, too scared to command me, walking through an empty underworld of demons dancing. No one understands me, too scared to command me, walking through an empty underworld of demons dancing. Recording, gay members who are watching this, and uh, g'day to everyone else, all of our listeners for the General Knowledge Podcast. Uh, what are we, Season 5, Episode 7 now, powering through the season, where it's uh, recording on a Saturday. Thank you, lads, for um, appreciating your, your time to get on on a Saturday morning. Usually, obviously, we do these, you know, Sunday Arvo or Sunday night or something, but my weekend after, after this podcast is done is pretty much blown out, boys, so... I'm um, going to have to do this one today, so I do appreciate your time, fellas. Thank you very much. Joined, of course, by uh, Andy Soames and Ethan Nash. Andy, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. How you been, brother? Good to see you again. Absolute well, pleasure. Yeah, I think, I think I missed the last show, so it's nice to um, reconnect and get back in and, uh, you know, talk about what's going on mm. in uh, the crazy matrix, so... Yeah, funny you should mention that. We'll yeah. have a quick chat about that later, actually. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I was listening yeah. to to you and uh, Ethan have a good chat the other day on uh, Ethan's member show. So once again, mem- all the folks out there listening, um, don't forget Ethan, of course, does have a members area for full members and puts out content again just for his members. And he had Andy on for a, a wonderful chat. It was a really good discussion too. Uh, having finished it only halfway through, and I was like. I feel like I was there with you boys having a chat, so it was good. I uh, can't wait to listen to the rest. Um, speaking, of course, about Ethan, he's uh, waiting in the wings there. Ethan, how you going, mate? Thanks for coming on. Good, mate. Hello to everyone out there. Um, looking forward to another episode. Yeah, me and Andy had a, a good chat. I thought I'd snatch him up, seeing as he wasn't on the latest General Knowledge podcast, the last episode. Thought it'd be a good time to get him on, so... Yeah, it was a good chat and looking hmm. forward to having the band back together today. <laughs> uh, good stuff. All right, man. Well, boys, um, just before we get into um, the main topic for um, for this show, and of course, the main topic I wanted to kind of have a bit of a flesh out with you guys is, is about AI and stuff like that, and one part of it in particular. But before we get there, I, I just wanted to quickly touch on... Um, just for the people out there who subscribe to the to the website, realnewsaustralia.com, haven't really put out any content other than my podcast and sharing a few articles and stuff um, that Ethan puts up as well, just to increase the reach there and everything. But, you know, there's a, you know, uh, it's about 3,500 subscribers to the site and they would have got this recent article. Um, I'm not going to read it word for word or go through it with everyone, but if you head over to realnewsaustralia.com, I uh, just put up a quick article because it was sort of in the... Um, it's in, entered the lexicon lately, the sovereign citizen terminology. Um, and uh, at the moment, it's you know it's kind of a hot topic with regards to the mainstream media kind of demonising it and you know picking on people who basically say that they're not really part of this government system and the, the system that is. And you know they they are their own individual autonomy autonomous entity and all this sort of stuff. And I thought, well, that's 
yeah, it's good. Maybe we should. I should write something to counter that. Um, so there is an article up there now called "Challenging Misconceptions: The Positive Aspects of the Sovereign Citizen Movement in Australia." Um, and you, you boys have had a quick, just quickly, uh, Andy, you've had a quick read of that. Would you tend to, uh, I guess, agree with some of the, the sentiments in the article there? Just quickly, was it all right? Sound good to you? Sounds good, General. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's about it's about time that somebody, um, you know, started uh, showing the positives of of uh, the sovereign citizen movement. Um, and uh, it doesn't surprise me, considering how badly governments have let us all down over the last three years, that uh, mm. this sort of movement um, is becoming popular. So yeah, good on you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ethan, just quickly, your impressions uh, on on that piece. Yeah, General, it's a nice uh, little piece there, just describing the citizen, sovereign citizens movement, you know, some more of the ideological aspects behind it instead of, you know, the practical side, which is a bit questionable, but more so just this whole concept of, you know, separating from these government entities. And it's mm. good to see because, as you mentioned, they've been demonising it in the mainstream media every news story talking about how it's dangerous, et cetera, et cetera. And it fell back on their face when Queensland police said that the recent Queensland shooting had nothing to do with sovereign citizens at all or their movement. So, yeah, it's time to, I suppose, dispel some of these myths around sovereign citizens just being crazy whack jobs or just extremists and all this type of stuff. We need to demonstrate more of the positive aspects of you know questioning the structure of government and the laws mm. that you're governed under yeah yeah and that's that's all i wanted to really sort of do with that one but um all right boys and i did mention to you um before we started to um yeah before i got you guys on for the for the show i i did mention i wanted to do a show on it today and i, I wanted to make sure you both came on because i wanted to blow some mind holes and um you know chat about things like AI and stuff. Now, um, all right, cards on the table for all the, the listeners out there and the people who subscribe to the website there. That article that you've uh, both read and that we're referring to there, I didn't write that. That was written by AI. ChatGPT wrote that article for me. <laughs> I asked ChatGPT, and we'll get into what oh, all seriously? that is. I said, write an article about sovereign citizens in Australia and make it positive. And in about three seconds, it wrote that article. And wow. I said, you know, I asked it what images I should use. It didn't really help me there. But I said, what title should I give the article? And it gave me five options. And I chose one that I liked the best. Isn't that fucking amazing? <laughs> I didn't write that article. None of that is mine. That you is cheated, mate. Written. I did. <laughs> and I did that on purpose because I wanted to talk about this in today's show. That's what I, one of the things I wanted to talk about. And while I actually agree with everything it pretty much wrote, yeah, you like that? I, I pretty much actually do agree with everything it wrote. I thought it was actually a well-formatted, like you read it, it reads perfectly. There's no errors in it. The language is excellent. It's, I didn't have to spell check it. I didn't have to um, check any grammar or anything. That whole thing was written perfectly by AI, by chat GPT. Now, just quickly, before we get into all the nitty-gritty, uh, I know you were kind of both a little bit flabbergasted there. Andy, give me your impressions of that, now that I've told you that. Isn't that incredible? 
That is, I, I never expected that. Hey, I, I, I thought that the style. It was wasn't me. A bit, you could tell it, it wasn't my was, writing because that's not how yeah, I write. Yeah, but but I didn't. I I sort of didn't really question it because you said you know, and it was you've obviously uploaded it to your website and everything like that. So I didn't sort of question it. But mm. but it, it is it is definitely different style to the way that you write. But yeah, I mean it's good. It's definitely possible. Yeah. So scary, wow, isn't scary that, good, isn't it? Scary. It is scary, scary good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Uh, Ethan, um, again, give me your impression of what I just uh, asked Andy, mate. Give me your take on that. Would you agree? Well, I think you're a segue master, mate. That's a good way to bring up to to have a chat about ChatGPT, which obviously, you know, has been making storms across the world um, for months now. Um, I, I guess I'm more just surprised that it was able to have a positive connotation with its article you know there's no perceived biases at the moment um, and we, we'll can, and we can get into that too actually there is you can tell it basically if you wanted to have a bias or not as well yeah well you did as you said with yep. that to, to make it positive i'm just surprised mm. there is a positive um you know connotation because we've seen other news stories where certain individuals you ask chat gpt to do something positive about them and they say i cannot say anything positive about this person Mm. So, you know, mm. AI works with biases sometimes. It's just nice to see that it can work in a bias that is contrary to, you know, what the media and everything are talking about, you mm. know. But it's, uh, yeah, in, it, amazing technology. Um, definitely going to change the world. And, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a very yep. interesting thing. And this is, we are going to get into a little bit deeper discussion about this actual thing as well, what it means um, basically for society on, on large too. Because like, and I will, just for the listeners out there once now that you've listened to this and you know this, I will be going and actually changing that um, to say, instead of saying buy General Maddox, I'm actually going to put buy chat GPT. <laughs> so, so people uh, know that it wasn't me that actually wrote that, but um, yeah. Uh, and, and like Andy said, I do agree. You can, if you go back and read it pretty much, any of my other main articles that I've written on the site, it, you can you can tell it's not my writing. I do have a specific style. I do tend to write in an op-ed kind of style, and I have my own flavor, of course, my own um, personality that you can basically see. And if anyone listens to any of these shows and then you go and look at my articles, you, you'll, you'll know I, you, Lee's written that, of course. You can just tell. Um, but that, for example as good as it sounds and as good as it's written and punctuate or everything's perfect in it you can it's yeah you can tell it's not well i know it's not me and now that you know you can see oh yeah of course it wasn't you but it's it's still a well formulated and everything's put together nicely all that sort of shit it's a good article um now for the newbies out there for people who just aren't sure what it all is and what everything is and what is chat gpt and pardon me all that sort of shit um so ChatGPT was is basically um, uh, it's a large language model. Now I'll, I'll just say I actually said in ChatGPT said what is ChatGPT? I'm ChatGPT, a language model developed by OpenAI. I'm designed to understand natural language and generate responses that are appropriate and relevant to the input I receive. I've been trained on vast amounts of text data and use a deep neural network to generate responses. Users can interact with me through various interfaces, such as chatbots or voice assistants. 
uh, and I can assist with a wide range of tasks, including answering questions, generating text, or even engaging in casual conversation. And this, yeah, it is, it can do these sorts of things. That's exactly what it can do. Um, but basically, um, yeah, it's, I was I've sort of been doing a bit of research on this and and yeah, it, it started, I think, in about 20, sort of 13, 2015-ish is when it really kind of took off with its first iteration. Um, got a lot of funding by some of the big names in tech, including one of them, of course, Mr. Elon Musk, who put in a large chunk of money into this software, um, into OpenAI, the, and it was started as a, as a not-for-profit organization. They wanted this to be sort of, you know, all free, you know, all that sort of shit. But then a little while later, um, I think maybe you know, a couple of years later, um, I think Microsoft or someone put in like a billion dollars uh, into this and they then turned basically turned it into a company. So it's no longer not for profit. It's it is now a, a for profit company, basically. Um, and as you notice, you can see on my screen down the bottom left, there is an upgrade to plus. So you can pay 20 bucks a month. Um, I think that's US as well. And it basically, um, because of it's get it gets very heavy and very used, so it gets a bit slow sometimes and things. But they guarantee you that you'll get responses, you'll get better, you know, more more responses. It won't pause on you. It will, it will be quicker and all that sort of shit. So that's what they're sort of offering there. Not that that's going to make them any money, I don't think. Um, but uh, yeah, there's more to this that meets the eye in the long run as well, and what this actually means. Now they've they've. They said basically that this, the way this thing works is it's uh, when they were setting it up, it sort of had access to like the internet. They gave it inputs such as things like <laughs> Wikipedia, um, pretty much almost every book that was ever written and, and then turned into a digital format, it has had access to. So you can tell it to like write you a, a story in the, in, the, in the format of Walt Whitman and it'll do it for you. And it'll sound like Walt Whitman has written it or whoever. Yeah, you, know, you could say write me a poem in the form of Banjo Patterson, and it'll do that for you. It's it's insane. Um, it's, it's actually and it's really good. You can tell it to to create a joke. You can tell it to do all these things, and it'll do it, and it'll sound convincing as well. Um, and I was listening to some people who said, you know, I'm going to give you some examples. Um, one was like, I want you to write a recipe for a uh, or for a summer salad or something like this, and then they had one person grab it from like an actual recipe website and then one and one version was from chat GPT and they read both of them out and they said, well, which one was which? And you people couldn't tell the difference. You know what I mean? You people were like, oh, this one sounds like it could be written by a computer. Like, no, that was actually the real recipe. Things like this, like they were giving it some real, putting it through its paces and people couldn't really tell the difference between things. And then they started to ask it certain other questions and you could see little biases, like you were sort of mentioning Ethan coming into it as well. Um, which is quite interesting. Uh, they, they reckon they've asked it, they put it through uh, its paces with regards to um, where it leans politically. And basically it came out that chat GPT is a Democrat. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. Um, so it's, and uh, they've said that that kind of refers to its inputs. So everything it's had access to, was probably more left-leaning kind of stuff as well. So therefore, when it creates things and stuff, it tends to create things towards that. So this whole thing, this model is basically sort of basing its uh, outcomes on, on the inputs it received. So we're going to get into a little bit about what AI really is, what it means to be, you know, is is, it, is this thing sentient? Obviously, I don't think it is. Um, but it, I, 
another other people have sort of said, well, chat GPT is in its infancy right now and it's learning very quickly. So this this one where I'm, I'm showing you now on my screen here is actually th version 3.5. They had one and two, two which did the rounds. Of course, they had limitations. Three which came out, they referred to as the Da Vinci model, funnily enough. Um, 3.5 is what's being used right now. And apparently version four, which should be out this year, in, in fact, quite soon, is actually going to be built into the Bing search engine. Now, Microsoft, like I mentioned earlier, uh, put in a bunch of money into this. They have actually then funded with an extra $10 billion. Um, so this is very much, of course, going to become a basically a Microsoft product. So hence Bing, the search engine from Microsoft, is going to be going through the roof with this. This is going to be integrated into their search engine. Um, now, a lot of people have likened this technology, this deep learning AI chatbot kind of technology to imagining back then when you created the internet, you're like, this is huge. This is the next biggest thing. You know, we just created the internet. You know, they're like, chat GPT is the next phase in this kind of thing. You know what I mean? So um, I think it actually could be quite a threat to Google. Google apparently has their own one in the works, but it's not good. Um, we've seen, I've seen some tests and things like this, and it was really bad. It was, yeah crashing all sorts of shit but this one apparently is the one that's going to go through the roof now um is it i think we are kind of want to flesh out with you guys what we could be the positives and the negatives of this sort of technology um yeah I, i'm in on in the long run i'm kind of in a sense uh, i think it can be useful you know to, i kind of liken this to things like what excel has done for accounting and what um, Word has done for, you know, print, you know, like Microsoft Word back in the day has done for, for people to create works of, um, of, of literature and stuff. You know, instead of using a typewriter, you just sit there on a computer and type it out on a word processing document. Um, all these sort of things, you know, this is just another form of technology that probably is going to help a lot of things, a lot of businesses, uh, aid in a lot of stuff. Um, but I do, I do think, of course, it has its, um, its downside as well. And that's the sort of things I was going to maybe chat to you boys about what the, the made a couple of notes here uh what did i say yeah i've got is it a threat to, to google and i thought to myself you know what's a bigger threat and i thought maybe could this actually be a threat to human creativity and i wanted to pose that question to you gentlemen now you've seen just a, a very short example let me show you another quick example here on my on my screen here so i'm a big star wars nerd as you guys know um in the in the Star Wars Canaan universe, there's a character, is a smuggler, he's called Dash Rendar, right? So I said, please write a new Star Wars trilogy based on this character. And it's got, you know, it's got a synopsis, episode one, episode two, episode three. And I was like, oh, episode three, A New Hope, they've already made that movie. I said, come up with a new name. And it's written a new name and then all this sort of shit. And it basically gives you the outline, like when, the, when you're watching the first Star Wars movies, if anyone's seen them, and you see the text scrolling, up, up the screen as the movie starts, you know, it's basically that part of what it's written. Um, yeah, and it was like very good. I'm like, well, that's a basis. You could start writing that shit. It's like it, it's, it has created this from nothing, basically, just my input and what it knows of what it has learned in the past about Star Wars and some of these characters and all of that. So it's basically everything, everything it's been input with and had access to before, because apparently now it doesn't have access technically to the internet. They're saying it's not like it goes and searches the internet for an answer. 
it's only giving you responses from what it's learned in the last two years of its of its inputs when it had access to all that sort of stuff. So it can't really, you know, anything that's happened sort of since then, it doesn't really know too much about because, it, like I said, it doesn't have access to the internet. So, yeah, I wanted to, to pose that to you, gentlemen, and to think, does something like this, does this kind of technology, is it perhaps, could it be seen as a threat to human creativity? Um, and we'll kind of delve into that a little bit too. Andy, I'll, I might throw that at you first um, and just get your thoughts on this, this technology. Um, yeah, I definitely think it is, an, <laughs> most definitely is a threat to um, uh, creativity. If you look at like, I mean, my wife is writing a book, and and I know you, I know you've dabbled into into it too, General. But does that sort of crush any any budding, you know, like new writer that 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 wants to create a book for the public? Will this thing just like ride over the top of it? It's been done already, Andy. Um, apparently, it's actually yeah, written, yeah, yeah. it's actually written books that have been sold on Amazon. And people are making money yeah. off of a book that was created by an AI, and then Amazon actually yeah. then removed it from its from AI, from Amazon as well because it was in oh, breach really? of yeah yeah. But yeah, this is how crazy it is. I mean, yeah, and if this has been out. This version of it has been out since November twenty twenty two, so it hasn't even been out that long, and it's already yeah. yeah. Like anything you can almost think of, it's pretty much done it already. But you're right. Like, um, like. My wife's writing this book, and 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 she'll admit too. She gets you know like um, writer's block and, and sort of stalls, and and general life gets in the way and that sort of thing. There, so you know, does she like? Let's just take her as an example. Does she go through and just gets the book completed by AI? You know, and then just gets it out there, uh, and then so. So we all come there very quickly down the path of this isn't a creative thing from someone's mind. This is predominantly a replication from a computer, really. And I just think it's a re it's a really really dangerous path, and and it's and it's just a tiptoe and a step to not only replacing our minds, but like then physically replacing humans as well and uh, i'm sure that you know androids and the actual technology around physical robotics and stuff is is in the wings and waiting in some warehouse or something like that and i think probably if you can replace a human mind combined with the actual mechanisms of an of an android i mean I, honestly i think it's very close to game over for humanity let so me just that's that's how that's how that's how tragic i think this thing, whole thing can be and while i tend to actually actually agree with that as well andy um because i've kind con i've considered this i've been thinking about this for the last probably week i reckon i've been sort of playing with this and thinking about this kinds of concepts and stuff and while like say for example let's use you know billy writing a book for example and getting writer's block right so what she could do, she could sort of write, you know, take that paragraph or the last chapter she's working on, paste it into ChatGPT, and then say, this is where I'm up to in my novel. Can you give me some ideas for the next chapter or paragraph or whatever? And it'll do that. It'll throw things out there for you. 
and it can give you some, it, you know, it, it'll write it for you in a sense, but she doesn't have to use it. She can be like, oh, that's actually not a bad idea and then tweak it herself and then, you know, and then play with that response and go, you know, and then it, that helps, it may help put her back on the track of where she wanted to go because she just had writer's block, you know what I mean? So there, there could actually be a helpful, like a helpful tool to use, but I think people, you're right, people kind of need to draw a line and like, Yes, it's coming up with a response, but the responses it's coming up with is only based on the input you've given it. So it's not, you know what I mean? So it's taking um, what she has written, what she has actually created, because she's the creator. It's coming from her mind. And it's it's kind of using her input to, to generate some responses. You know what I mean? So it's technically, it doesn't have a sentient intelligence about it. And I kind of looked at this a bit more, and the way it kind of works is it, it, it doesn't actually even read the words we're putting in, it actually turns every input of every single letter and word that you put in, it turns it into numbers, like a math problem, basically. And it generates responses for each and every every word that comes up after it, that it writes. Like, And that's based on the previous word and then the previous word and the previous word. And it comes up with these responses that it has been taught to come up with, you know. So it makes sense to us. So it can it can interact with us on a human on a human level on our language level. So while yes, I tend to agree. Yeah, maybe it can because I asked actually asked I said can AI replace human creativity? I actually asked this to ChatGPT on the screen. As you can see, it says AI can certainly aid human creativity, but it cannot replace it entirely. AI is capable of generating works such as music, art, and literature but it does so through algorithms and patterns derived from existing data. In other words, AI is only able to create something based on what it has learned from what humans have created in the past. However, human creativity is not solely based on patterns and algorithms. It often involves unique perspectives, emotions, and experiences that cannot be replicated by machines. Human creativity is, ca is also capable of exploring new territories and breaking boundaries, whereas AI is limited to what it has learned. In summary, AI can enhance human creativity and assist in the creation of new works, but it cannot replace the creative potential of human beings. And I would put a caveat at that and just say, yet. <laughs> because, I mean, who knows where this can go? Because every, every, every time you put something into this chat GPT, it's learning. Apparently, in its infancy, it, it would generate responses that didn't make sense and things, but over the, the weeks and months, after it, it's learning and learning and learning and learning and everything that's put into it, it, it remembers and it learns. So I, um, you know, I, I asked it ages ago. I said, oh, I said, write, write a, a, a novel about um, MK Ultra. You know what I mean? Because I've been working on that myself for ages. And it started spitting out characters and a plot and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, that's in, like, it's not what I would write. I'm like, but that's really interesting. I'm like, that's incredible. And then when it sort of stops halfway through a sentence, I'm like, oh, what? that's weird. So I just wrote the word continue. And then it continued more paragraphs and it kept going and kept going. So it does have sort of limitations because it's based on like a certain amount of memory that it has access to in a sense in its, on its servers or whatever it uses. You know what I mean? So it does have limitations at the moment, but um, it, it was, it was like writing a book and I was like, man, this is, this is actually really cool. It's like, it's, it's characters are interesting. It's got a good plot. It's, you know, and I said, you know, and I wrote, I said, oh, write an action version of this, you know, and it wrote, it wrote in things like action sequences and stuff. And it was, it was pretty cool. I'm like, I didn't give it that much. And it was actually creating this 
all this information. I'm going, wow. So obviously it's only spitting out what it's learned from reading things in the, like I said, it, it's been in, given all these inputs from the internet, you know what I mean? So it's, it's only um, spitting out what it's learned so far. Um, Ethan, I'll just throw to you, mate. In terms of what I said to Andy, do you think it has, it could actually, and even though it has answered that it can't, do you think this has a potential to harm human creativity in a sense? I would like to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, well, it's a interesting question, General. And mm. I think in terms of creativity and in terms of more so learning, I think that's where it might have an impact. So, for example, you know, if you're writing a school assignment or an essay, a lot of kids I would see would probably just put it into chat GPT and then reword everything into their own words. You know, they're not doing mm. any research anymore. So... Mm. It'll and that's impact, happened, by the way. Yeah, so that'll impact, and we've seen that it's been banned in certain universities and schools mm -hmm. that it can't be used as a reference, et cetera, et cetera. But what I, what I would akin it to in terms of the creativity element is that um, think of how computers and more so calculators, which are a form of machine learning in its very mm -hmm. early stages, mm -hmm. think of how calculators have pretty much destroyed people's mathematic abilities. Nobody does math on their own anymore. It's all through a calculator on their phones or a physical calculator, right? Math standards have dropped everywhere because of this type of machine learning. So when you start to get into more creative things that use these types of modes of writing, of, of building things based on words, you can see that there will be a natural decline in that because people will use it as a hunch. Mm. So I can I can definitely see that, especially in terms of writing essays and, as you said, in terms of just creativity, books and, and trying to come up with things on your own and overcoming writer's block on your own. But for me, you know, I don't see as much of a threat because... I try to make the distinction between what machine learning is and the limitations of machine learning and what I believe is almost a false flag um, push and this fear-mongering that there's one day going to be sentient robots or sentient beings that are going to control us or wage war on us. Like, there's, there's a, I think that they get conflated together and I've spoken about this on my website a bit, that we need to make that distinction between machine learning, which, as I said, has been around since the calculator, just assisting humans, versus this fear that, oh, it's going to become smarter than us and take over us. You know, like in a worst-case scenario, you probably could have some DARPA robot standing there with some sort of a system like this in it where it calculates to make decisions based on data. Hmm. But it's not a sentient being. I think that's almost a false flag like Elon Musk says. Well, if we can't beat them, we may as well join them. Mm -hmm. We may as well get the chip in our head and become robots ourselves. Whereas there are many researchers out there that work in AI that said for us to make this become a properly sentient conscious being, that might never, ever be achieved. It will mm. never be possible because we don't even know what consciousness is. I agree. And so at the best, your threat would be just some type of extreme machine learning. But how does that really, like, I think 
the fear is a more so a false flag to get us to become robots, which is their true vision. Whereas machine learning, that's actually helped humanity, even though it's dumbed us down and stuff. Let me put this to you boys. Take the internet. You mentioned before, General, that the internet was this tool that changed humanity forever. Mm-hmm. And it did. And you're saying that this, the talk is that this could be something that changes humanity again. Well, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? For me, me personally, I wouldn't be anywhere near as smart or aware of the world without the internet. I used the internet personally. The whole world's information was at my fingertips. No generations ever before got to experience this. So I was able to learn, even in my young age, much faster than people in the non-internet age. So I used that for good and it benefited me. Meanwhile, what do the majority of humanity do? They sit online looking at memes all day or, you know, Instagram posts of people with no clothes on. They just sit there mindlessly scrolling and don't use it for its positive benefits. So who's really to blame here? Is it the human or the actual device itself? You see, like I I see it as a double-edged sword. And if you use these things for positive means, Mm. it can be positive. The problem is, will humanity use that for positivity or will it just end up in more sort of degradation of creativity and learning and things like this? I think it will. But in terms of like a threat, as you mentioned, General, there's style. People know when they're reading it that that's not, Like, they would know it's not me. They would know it's not you if they've just read our articles. Mm -hmm. And the style aspect of it is something that I don't think that machine learning will ever truly get to, even though it says it does. I'll write this in the style of this person. In terms of, like, excuse me, in terms of the actual thoughts to come up with that, to to constantly manoeuvre, I don't think it's going to, to reach that level. Not that it's a danger to humanity, but that's humanity's choice how that's being used. Mm-hmm. They've had, you know, they've had the LA Times hired AI journalists 10 years ago. They've had their own systems that just spit out articles and stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm not and, concerned. And that was probably based on this very similar software to this, but at earlier versions of it. Like I said, this has been out since like 2015 or something, you know, so it's been out for a long time. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, is this really a threat? Like, I don't. Maybe it's a threat to the mainstream media journalists because they're like, hey, we don't even need you just spewing yeah, out all of yeah. our nonsense anymore yeah. together in a collective. We've just got these programs now, so we don't need yous. We'll just mm-hmm. be. But in terms of that being a threat, I'm like, well, it doesn't matter either way if it's a computer or if it's a whole bunch of brainwashed j- journalism students doing it. It's the same type of enemy. And Again, will it ever get as good in terms of style? It could, what does it really threaten other than people allowing it to sort of just threaten themselves by using it as a shortcut? That's that's sort of my main question. And as I said, all these other things about the calculator, about the internet as a double-edged sword, we need to also question our role in this. And, you know, I don't think it will reach a point that, you know, it poses a real threat. This machine learning, as good as it gets, can be a good tool. But we've been trained to 
see it as a bad tool and the people that are controlling it are using it to replace us in warehouses and in jobs, which is not good. So there are issues with it. But in terms of this grave existential threat to humanity, I think that's a false flag to get us to put the chips in our head to try and stop a threat that really isn't there and really could help us. Mm. And I'll end on this, General. I'll throw it back to you. True. But remember in The Matrix, I believe it's The Matrix 2, and they go down into the engine room and they're sitting there and they're looking at all of the machines that run Zion that they're in. That's what Neo says. He says, no, we control these machines. And he says, what do you mean that we control these machines? He says, well, we can turn these off at any moment. These machines aren't trying to kill us. And he says, well, we can turn the machines off, but then we won't have any clean air. We won't have any electricity. We won't have any water. So who really is in charge here? Maybe there's a way that we can work together. So that's what I think. Good point. In terms of this, I'll throw it back to you to take yep. that wherever you want. Yep. I um, it, it's definitely so. You can you kind of let's just break it down to a very simple level here. Look at a knife. A knife is a a tool. It's used for helping humanity. You know, we use it to cut to you know, a, a million different things. You know what I mean? It's a very useful tool. Can that tool then also be used to harm someone? Of course it can. You know what I mean? This, this, I see this like a knife. This is like a very useful tool, but I think it can be used to to harm perhaps industries, not necessarily harm a person, maybe in a roundabout kind of way in six degrees of sort of separation maybe, but uh, I think it's definitely a tool. And I, I, this isn't going anywhere. I think people need to kind of just wrap their heads around that. This sort of technology is here to stay. Like I said, Bing is integrating this into their search engine. So it's going to have, you're going to have an AI chatbot basically in your search engines. So could this be a threat to what you're shown in a search? Like, yes, you're going to be searching things and it's going to give you an answer, but there's that double-edged sword again. It's giving you its version of an answer. You know what I mean? It's going to tell you what it thinks. Whereas they can't, I know they're kind of doing that now by tweaking what searches and what things get brought up in results and all that sort of stuff. But um you know, I think it's, again, it's that sort of double-edged knife, double-edged sword, you know, like it could be used to to harm something like, and, and the harm from there is maybe it's not giving you the, the response you really deserve or the response um, that you could have. It's giving you a single answer and then people being satisfied with that. But how many people have been doing that for the last 20 years with Google? You know what I mean? They ask Google one thing and whatever it comes up as the first response, they'll, they'll accept it, you know? Yeah, um, it's more consolidation. You know, it, like, it is a very big consolidation. Like I said, this thing has been trained on the works of everything on the internet, almost every written piece of internet, and it's 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 similar to like Google's um, bots crawlers. Yeah, people aren't familiar. It sends out a little digital worm basically to crawl the internet, everyone's websites, every page, everything ever written on the internet, and it brings it back to Google so that at Google, if people want to find something, it knows where to look for it and can. There's the answer. You know, it sends these little little tentacles out to um, to retrieve all that information from everything ever written on the internet sort of thing. Um, but, of course, it then has its own filters and versions of the things that it wants to show you, but it still has these little programs. Well, OpenAI actually did the same thing. It actually, before it sort of closed off to the internet, it had crawlers scouring every single website on the internet, you know, and getting trying to gather everyone's responses. I mean, I, I be, I'm wondering. I mean, we could probably do this now if you wanted to, but you could put in, I could put it in for you and show you. 
I want you to write an article to the style of Ethan Nash from TOTT News about this particular topic, and I want to see what it comes up with. <laughs> I dare say it's probably crawled your website, Ethan, and it knows how you write. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. But again, it's is that that's wording style, you see. So they'll know where I put commas. Correct. It's just language. Yeah. They, yeah. They will know where I put commas. They will know where I put hyphens. They will know the the type of sentence style that i use but do they truly know the actual essence behind my thoughts i no, don't think of course they not. will no yeah that's, that's and that's these the are some of the limitations we're talking about that's right so this yeah. is where you, you, you can't be seen like i said perhaps as a as a terribly harmful kind of tool that's going to take over humanity and stuff but what i the the scary part of this right so let me just i sort of put these thoughts down as well right so and tell me if you boys agree with this, Andy. This might be sort of more towards where you were kind of leaning. The AI companies are using user experience to quickly weed out all of the narratives that the establishments uh, haven't approved. Uh, that's what this whole rollout to the public is uh, is for. Sorry, It's not to get people more interested in AI. It's to get a grip on the early questions from the public that are problematic for the establishment. There is no such thing as art as real artificial intelligence, at least not any sentient version, similar to what you mentioned too, Ethan. It's all just advanced machine learning, and they are quickly tailoring the bots to deal with the dissenting opinions and to make the bots more believably alive in the eyes of the public. The true agenda is to have the public trusting AI so that the establishment doesn't have to spend all its resources on constant expensive propaganda uh, continuously all the time. That's sort of one aspect of it that I think it could be used in a negative connotation. Um, but I, I sort of, I kind of wonder, you know, we, we, I mentioned the NPC phenomenon on, on the last member show as well. And I get a real vibe that that's sort of what we're dealing with here. It's like you're taught, it's like, you kind of imagine yourself in the in the video game style. You know, you're a character. You walk up to a thing as part of your mission or whatever your goal. You got to talk to this particular character in the game. It's really just a bot. You know, it doesn't do anything. And you interact with it. You ask it things, which is all pre-programmed anyway, uh, and it generates these responses and tells you something you got to do. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of wonder: is are they kind of fine-tuning what this AI response could be? when it really gets uploaded to humanity, you know what I mean? Like just say, for example, that we are in this kind of matrix thing and this thing's being, this is being field tested, this kind of technology is being field tested so that when we walk around in our daily lives and we interact with the NPCs that are around us, that they're giving better responses and they're actually having proper conversations and they're not glitching out on us all the time. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I wonder if that's part of <laughs> part of the agenda. I don't know. I just that's just where my mind wanders when I think about this sort of stuff. It's it's just very no, interesting. Well, that's that's where know? it gets. Yeah, that's where it, it definitely starts to get. Because you, you know, mentioned interesting. Elon Musk with the brain chip stuff. You know what I mean? If if they're going to start chipping people, if that's if that's really part of the goal. Well, are you going to be interacting with that person, or are you going to be interacting with Chat GPT that's been installed in that person? You know what I mean? And it's just generating responses for that person. It's, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it, you know what it, I mean? Like this could be the it, field test. Yeah, and absolutely, absolutely. That, those are really good questions. And again, remember, scientists are working on what they call moral enhancement technologies, and how can we use technology to sort of alter the aggressive behaviours of certain people and certain diseases. So they're getting to a point where that type of talk 
is possible. And that's where the threat does come in, you mm. see. But for me, like, in, instead of getting sort of afraid of the technology itself, like, I actually am, in a, in a strange way, rooting for things like chat GPT. Because if that, if that could truly nail my writing style, General, wouldn't you use that as a tool against the system? Isn't this... Aren't we both on both sides of defence right now in this we information this, war or whatever yeah. you call it? We're all using these weapons of war against each other. Correct. We're on the internet so, right now. We're using Skype right now, which is owned by the establishment, you know what I mean? But we're using it to talk to people and to pass on information about these things and to increase their intelligence and their thought about these things. You're right. But it's their, it's their tool. It's the establishment tool. Exactly, mate. Exactly. Mm. So... Yes, we can see that that is, a, that is a huge threat and that's where the real threat of machine learning comes in is how will it be incorporated into this new post-human slave class that they want with the microchips and stuff. Like, will it be, is that the true thought police? It just sits there dormant in your system and then when you have a, a wrong thought, the, the chip kicks in because it realises that in its system you're thinking wrong. That's not the right answer. So it zaps you or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's, the, that's the wildest scenario. But at the same time, instead of, you know, running in fear of all of these things, we need to use these weapons against it. Where are all the tech wizards in the um, the truth movement, where are people that know this stuff? Why aren't you building your own systems in your own chat GPTs? I know, again, you don't have billions of dollars and stuff, but there are ways to do this, that we mm. can use these tools to fight back in a good way instead of just being scared and calling for a ban on it because they're always going to have it. So we need, to, we need to find a way to use this, as you said, General, like Skype, to use it as a weapon. Now, you know, ChatGBT, hopefully it gets better. I've, I've tried to trial it to see if it writes some good articles, but it's, you know, it's, it's a bit iffy at the moment, but this type of thing could be used for really good. Like if it yeah. could pump out articles, you don't think me all alone at TOTT News pumping out articles wouldn't use that as like a second employee if I had my own system. Yeah, like if you're, I see it, like if you're really busy, but you want to put quickly put some information out about a topic that you need to cover real quick and, you know, you just get it to write it, see what it comes up with and you go, oh, yeah, I'm going to change that, uh, change up a picture here, I'm going to put a link here, bang, bang, bang. But the, you know, like the crux of the text is all done for you in your style and you've tweaked it and made it better. You know what I mean? Like, and it saved you two hours time, three hours, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there are. I, I agree. There are positive ways. This is a tool. Again, this is just a tool that is not going away. You know, this is here to stay. And I think people need to get their wrap their head around the fact that you can use this for good things. You can use it. But again, there's that double-edged sword. Every time you're it using it to do these things, it's learning and learning and learning and learning. And that's that information that you're putting in there. And that's what they say right now. Don't put any personal details in there. Don't put addresses. Don't put phone numbers. Don't put that sort of stuff in the prompt. Because these prompts are written, uh, sorry, are getting read by the creators of this technology. You know what I mean? And you know they're using it for whatever they can think of that. They can do whatever they want with it. You basically agreed in the terms and the conditions to do whatever they want with that prompt that you've put into it. You know, so you've got to be very careful about that sort of stuff. Oh, but yeah. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, the, everyone who creates this technology and their version of it, ChatGPT is basically just one version. It's a really good version of it, but it's one version of it. They're all going to have their own terms of use, basically. So you've got to be careful with what you're doing and use it at your will. But, I mean, we know that every time you use your phone, you know, it's that information's getting seen by someone, whether it's another computer somewhere in the cloud. But, you know, the government has access to it basically whenever they want, you know, and you've agreed to that without actually realising it, you know. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, look at Google, for example. That has become, and I published about this in 2019, it's become a new brain reality interface because nobody knows directions anymore. They just use Google Maps, even in their own neighbourhoods. People don't tell their loved ones about things. Google knows more about anyone than anything. Then your loved ones, then your kids, because what happens when you've got a pimple in a in a very awkward place? You ask Google. What happens when you're scared of a disease? You ask Google. You know, how do I get out of this? How do I pull this out? It's learning. It's it's already been learning. And this is like the consolidation phase. The the former head of Google, he actually said his biggest problem with the Google search engine was that it put out too many results. There shouldn't be different answers. It should be one answer. I remember that. That's right. And that's where they're going. And that's what this AI is going to do. It's yeah. going to just give you the one answer. <laughs> and that's um, the problem. And so, yes, yeah. we have to be concerned about this stuff, but we we need to use it as a tool just as but, well. Let me let me pose this to you, Ethan. Before we had internet search engines, right, and you wanted some information, you'd have to go to a library, right? More often than not, people would use yep. the Encyclopedia Britannica or Encyclopedia, the World Book Encyclopedia, whatever. You would use this Encyclopedia to find a particular information on a, on a topic or something. Say you're writing a, a paper on something, you'd go and look for that information. You'd yeah, you know, so just a high school level sort of thing, you know. You'd write, you'd go into you you your library and you'd find that information and you'd write it down or photocopy the page or whatnot. And then yeah, you could even check other sources, but they're probably going to give you the pretty much the same results. Like you could go to another encyclopedia, but the answer is going to be pretty much the same because it's all based on the same information that they've done in the, to begin with. How's that different to Google throwing up what it tells you it should give you? You know what I mean? Like you're still just going to get the one version of it, but in terms of the internet and to use it correctly, you know, if you're smart about it, you can then look for, you know, if it gives you that one response, you, you can go, yeah, I'm not happy with that. I want to see another opinion. I want to go to, you know, and you can then search up your own versions of, you know, other people's thoughts on those topics and stuff, and it becomes a bit more helpful. So, you, you, again, it's going to give you that one answer, but if you know how to use things correctly, you can get the right answer. You know what I mean? So people have got to be very careful and mindful of what the, of this technology and what it's going to do to people's thinking. Um just quickly, I want to give you guys can see on the screen now. So this popped up on me for Skype when I came in. It was a notification. It said, meet Bing, your AI-powered co-pilot. Chat with Bing in Skype for quick answers and creative ideas to enhance the conversation. That was basically it. And it said you'll receive emails and offers from about Microsoft rewards and partners, blah, blah, blah. But you can join the waitlist or skip. And that is what I was referring to before, how Bing is going to incorporate its this chat GPT in its search, in its all this. So this is going to be sitting in Skype basically from now on too. Bing's going to have its version of ChatGPT as part of it. And you can chat to it while you're in Skype chatting to you boys. I can search for stuff and it's going to come up with ChatGPT's responses in Bing. 
Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And that's yeah, basically going to be the fourth iteration of this technology, which is getting, like I said, better and better. That's Fascinating it. it's stuff. Just, mm. It's just continuing on and on. And, and mm. like I've learned with Discord, some of the powerful tools that those bots have over there, you know, bots that just sit around and can do whatever, can moderate things, can mm -hmm. make announcements for you, can post for you, record conversations for you. Just the AI is is really getting to an incredible stage. But mm. again, it's it's these people that run the world that are using it for negative purposes to enslave people. Yes, in 10 years, we could face a, a, a problem where people just go onto Google and there's one answer. But the internet is a bigger tool than these companies themselves. These companies don't own the internet. The internet itself is a very mysterious thing if you look into the origins of it. It's a, it's a whole bunch of different industries coming together almost like some big alchemist experiment, you know. And I mm. think that they try to moderate and censor the internet because they can't really stop what the internet is, this infinite, you know, sort of endless pool that exists in the clouds up there it, it, it's they need to do this but again if you don't like that one answer why don't you go to an alternative website if you don't like youtube go to bitchute or something there's always going to be an alternative that you can get yourself out of that matrix so mm. man it is getting crazy um they, they're definitely learning a lot you know they said the um who was it they said the, if there is to be a first AI mind, that's what it will be. It will be the collective internet finally becoming sentient. And it knows all of humanity's greatest strengths, its weaknesses, its mm. most darkest points. But, you know, we'll have to see if that day ever comes. You know what I also think it's a false flag for? Tell and me. This is, this is um, Elon Musk is responsible for this as well same same person is have you seen on twitter how his response to deal with these bots is to introduce online verification mm. if you prove who you are then we will know and can distinguish you from these bots so yeah what happens it becomes a not it's only a problem a false reaction flag. solution yeah it's not mm. only a false flag for artifact for for us putting microchips in our head it's also for mass surveillance and digital identity because we will need to be identified to stand out from a crowd of indistinguishable AI bots. So mm. what do you think about that? Yeah, no, it's, again, that's, um, like I said, it's a, it's a, not a false, well, you said false play, but it's definitely a problem reaction solution thing, you know what I mean? So they're throwing up these problems which are inherently involved in this technology. And of course, they're gonna come up with the solutions for them. So, um, well, we need we need the verification. How do we verify? How do I know that's not an AI doing this? And oh, well, we need to find out. Now, I just wanna, on the screen now, you can see I've got ABC News put out an article um, about a month ago. What is ChatGPT and why are schools and universities so worried about using AI to cheat? So this is the angle. This is the all the all the articles I'm seeing about in the mainstream about ChatGPT is all negative. Ethan and Andy, it's just all, you know, it's, it's end of days sort of stuff, and you know, be scared of it. Be scared of it. You know what I mean? Which then goes more towards mm. Ethan, what you're saying 
about all oh, you know we got to be careful what you know so people get up in arms or oh, 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 we need we need to make sure we can verify who who is real and who's not and all this sort of stuff and hence of course digital identity probably coming in but you know they kind of give a bit of a synopsis about what it is chat gpt or chat generative pre-trained transformer is a chatbot that was launched by OpenAI, an artificial intelligence research company uh in november 22. oh and just quickly andy um you sent me that video with the guy um, Malcolm Roberts being interviewed, uh, sorry, interviewing uh, a chap um, whose surname was Altman, and you sent me that today, um, just before we got on. And I said, in the beginning, I said, just keep an eye. Remember that name Altman that I said. Remember his last name. Well, the CEO of Chat of uh, OpenAI, his name is, um, I think it's Sam Altman. <laughs> Same surname. <laughs> it just blew me away. I'm like, what? How is that? How is that real? It's the same surname. Like, isn't that crazy? We're talking about ChatGPT and OpenAI today, and the CEO of the company's name's Altman, and you send me a video today with Malcolm Roberts talking to a chap whose name is surname is Altman. Oh, it just blew me away. <laughs> um, here we go. So, why are schools and universities so worried about it? Crazy. Yeah, the big the big concern is that ChatGPT could potentially be used by universities and students to cheat on written assignments without being detected. It's been described as akin to students outsourcing their homework to robots. But some educators have also spoken about harnessing the existence of ChatGPT as a major opportunity to make assessments more authentic, mirroring challenges students may face in the real world. This would require a radical rethink of school and university assessment to make it more, much more difficult to plagiarize. Um, how will educators know if students are using it? So now they're um, obviously OpenAI, this chat GPT's out. Well, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, isn't there? So there's now a uh, software called AI Cheat Check. So it can actually scan whatever it's been shown. And if it thinks that it's been written by an AI, it'll flag it. It'll say, yeah, this, this looks like a percentage-wise, 70% chance this was written by AI or whatever. You know, so then they'll fail the student they'll be like no nah, you didn't write this go back and try again or you fail you know what i mean like it's very it's, oh just imagine if you're the student and you maybe your writing style just happens to be quite generic and not very creative or it just happens to sound like a computer wrote it you know what i mean well you're fucked <laughs> you know what i mean like computer you're gonna get flagged by the fucking ai check you're, you're an ai you can't think for yourself well it's like you'd be you're the student going well prove it prove I didn't write that, you know what I mean? Just because an AI bot said I didn't write it doesn't mean I didn't write it. You know, it's very, look at the line we're drawing here. It's, well, it's, so, it's such a thin line, man. Um, should ChatGPT be banned by schools and universities? And Professor Rowan advocates embracing the technology rather than banning it. And to be honest, I, again, it's a tool. It's not going anywhere. You might as well start using it. Um, but again, mindfulness, practice mindfulness. Be mindful of what you're putting it to and what you're using it for. Uh, I can understand why banning it looks like a simple and quick solution, she said. And just quickly, um, Queensland and New South Wales schools have um, denied access to ChatGPT in their schools and stuff too, just quickly. Victoria hasn't. Victoria, you can use it, by the way. Um, but you can't lock people up away from the world. You can't ban kids from the world. I don't think it should be banned. I think it it can. I think sorry. I don't think it can be banned. Let's get curious before we get scared. Humans are amazing. We learned how to use fire to our advantage, and how to make life better thanks to all sorts of advanced technological. Sorry, technological advances. 
Uh, I'm optimistic about the present and the future with ChatGPT. Professor Rowan said there was no evidence that the emerging as the emergence of ChatGPT would lead to a tsunami of cheating. Uh, and she said there were already people writing assignments for students before the emergence of ChatGPT. And I've heard that as well. You can just go and pay someone. Here, go and write this for me. And, and you know, I need to pass this yeah. subject. You just pay someone to do yeah. it and they'll do it for you. So this, this has been happening forever. It's just still happening now. I mean, this is how peer review process works on large. You know, they just pay Chinese companies to peer review them. And then, they, yeah, you go, it's peer reviewed. Um, so this, this happens anyway. This is not new. People need to realize that. Uh, ChatGPT is an opportunity for us to think about, wow, what is this amazing new space going to allow us to do and encourage us to think in new kinds of ways? Maybe this is a wake-up call that our assessments do need to be more individualized. That actually I agree with. I think that's actually quite a poignant statement there because what do schools and universities do? It's all about uniformity, isn't it? You know, There's nothing individualized about it. Besides education, how can ChatGPT be used for good? Professor Rowan said the chatbot had implications for people trying to navigate all sorts of foreign systems. For example, it has a huge potential to help people, such as those from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds, to write job applications. Absolutely correct, it does. I, anything I've put in ChatGPT so far, boys, I can say, give me the response in French, and it'll be perfect French. It'll be, I can say, fucking Swahili. It'll, it'll do it all in perfect fucking Swahili. It'll give you the answer, whatever you want, in the language you want. It's phenomenally powerful, and it'll do it in about three seconds. Um, ChatGPT can also be used for creative purposes, such as writing songs and poetry, and is also being utilized for basic output, uh, such as writing and responding to emails. And that's right. This has a big implications for people in the sales industry, you know, responding to sales inquiries or whatever, like... This sort of, it's very, some similar stuff has already been used right now. Like I can go onto nrma.com.au and, you know, the insurance provider and a little thing pops up in the bottom and, you know, it says, hi, chat with us now. You're not chatting with a person, you're chatting with a bot. That's a bot giving you responses. You can say, oh, I need to inquire about my trailer insurance. And it'll go, oh, hey, hey, Lee, thanks for logging in. How are you? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it sends you all these generic responses. Yeah, you kind of, people... If you're not aware, I mean, I know it's a fucking bot, but people out there probably think they're actually chatting to a human being because it's quite, the responses are very nice and polite, similar to what you would get from someone in a call center, you know. But where's the harm in that? I don't find actually harm in that. It was actually quite helpful for me sometimes because it helped me find some shit. Um, and then they'll be like, if it can't do it, it goes, yeah, well, I'll put you onto a, one of our representatives now and it'll transfer you to someone human so you can actually talk to them, you know what I mean? So there are advantages to this. There are software, there are things that it can help with as well. Um, here's another one here I just put in um, from Z, uh, Z, 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 ZDNet, ZNet, what do you want to call it? Uh, how to use ChatGPT, everything you need to know. So this will tell you basically, it's a really good article actually, I'll put it in the show notes for folks, tells you how to open an account, how to use it, a login, um, tells you about the prompts and things, examples, what can I use it for? Um, and I, some of the things I've learned too, boys, is, this is quite fascinating. Um, a, 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 a guitar player, a musician, put in, write me a love song about something rather, right? It wrote him a love song and he said, he also said, now write me the chords to go with this song. And ChatGPT wrote the chords out for him. The guy 
played the song and he's uploaded to like Spotify and stuff and you know people are listening to it and he's sort of like making money off it and stuff and he's like this is all AI I didn't write any of this he's just he just played it on the guitar you know what I mean sang the song that it wrote incredible it's very powerful you know what I mean and people are loving it um you know what's his name um David Guetta the the DJ I'm not sure if you guys have heard of him been around for forever lots of hit songs and stuff very similar he asked for asked for um not necessarily chat GPT but there's another um another ai program uh which writes music and sounds and digital music and lots of stuff he asked it to write him some beats and things and you know lots of stuff and then he ended up putting it in some of his newer music in one of his concerts and the crowd were going nuts and loved it and you know <laughs> he didn't even fucking do anything it was all written in about 10 seconds by an ai you know what i mean it's it's crazy good apparently in china i've heard that um not chat gpt but there are hit top top music songs in their charts that were completely written uh, or, or the music in them was completely AI, you know, uh, and they were in top charting songs and stuff. Um, one other thing I was listening to, again, music orientated. These they played this guy played three samples of a song, uh, and he asked his audience to pick was it AI or was it human written, and you know they all gave their various responses. Most of them thought, oh, one was AI and then the other two were written, definitely written by people. He goes, well, they're all, every single one of those was written by AI. You know what I mean? So it's hard to distinguish sometimes. People don't know. Like it, it can actually create some really cool stuff. But again, its creativity is based on inputs human humanity has given it. So it's only knowing what humans have created in the past. It's not, yes, it can generate unique works of things, but those unique works are based on, again, our own human creativity inputs that have been given it. Um, hey, lots of maybe sorry, maybe go. we maybe we need that general. Have you seen movies lately? Have you seen music lately? It's all <laughs> crap. We're not coming Apparently, up with anything. Yeah, oh, exactly. And you know what? I, I, I even saw the other day, and not that I watch a show, but everyone knows of it. But everyone knows of the show South Park, right? Apparently, these the guy, the writers of the creators of South Park, are going to have an episode completely written by AI script everything they're going to do that you know what i mean like yeah but, but, but this is where we're going um well, look, people was... are using these things for this sort of stuff you know it's, it's it's insane but it can also create art as well boys yeah i, was I gonna um, say that the the open recently, so correct recently open ai was... sorry mate i didn't mean to cut you off go recently no you're right mate you i was just going to say recently because I was going to mention that there was a, a big controversy on um, Instagram and online accounts with the magic uh, generator from, uh, I think it was Lensa, and it was essentially, it would create a, an a AI art rendition of yourself that people were using as their, um, you know, display photos on Facebook or Instagram or whatever the case may be. And there was a big controversy because it was essentially just illegally sourcing from a whole bunch of artists, you know, millions of artists around the world to be able to generate the art of you based in their style. So they were, it was essentially just stealing from them. And hey, they were all, they all looked incredible. It looked really mm. good what this AI mm. chat generated. But again, it had to draw from human sources. So yeah, just wanted again, that's, to throw that's that in. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely right. Yep. And it knows it, it's for you can say, you know, um, and I, I actually tested this out myself too. I, I got onto it's called uh, D A L L E 2 or Dolly 2. 
um, is there is the AI art generator that is also owned by OpenAI because um, they own ChatGPT. Um, and I got on there and I said, I said, um, create me an image or I don't know what I say, a photo image of ChatGPT uh, anthropomorphized as a monster taking over the world. And it, it, it was kind of, I thought I had it, and I think I might still have it on my phone here. I'll try and send it to myself. Uh, it was kind of creepy-ish in a way. I was like, well, that's, it's interesting that that's what it chose as a monster taking over the world. You know, I was like, wow, that's, that's kind of cool. I'm going to try and just load it up here. Here we go. Here's a version of it. Um, I was going to, I'm just going to screen share this. So not screen share, I'll send it to myself now. And you'll be able to pop up on the screen. There we go. Come on. Can you guys see this? That's what it created. That's the monster it, it created that I said, show me a monster of AI anthropomorphized taking over the world. And that's kind of creepy, but that's what it created. And it's, you know what I mean? Like you could pay a digital graphic designer to create that for you. It would, you'd have to pay the money. And it just did it for me about, I don't know, five seconds. Bang, there it is. Fascinating. It's incredible, powerful technology. Um, I'm going to create know, a comic book. Literally, you can. You can create storybooks. You can create pretty much anything. Like it, Again, this can be quite a useful tool to create things. If you don't like it, you can go in and say, oh, change it, the style to cubism style. Change it to you know, Andy Warhol style, whatever. And it'll do it for you. And it'll be in their style. You know what I mean? It's fascinating sort of stuff. Um, very creative. Very interesting. But again, we need to... Relies and Sorry, yeah, go. that's it, man. We need to we need to find a way to you know kickstart human creativity as well. You know, I think that there's almost like a a very um, you know the people that are running these programs like they don't have in mind all of these wonderful benefits that we're talking about that these things could be used for. You know, they it's almost like there's a very dehumanization element to it. They're almost trying to prove to us that the machines can do as good as we can do, if not better, to sort of downplay the importance of the human even more, which they've been doing for the last 200 years. So as long as we don't lose our humanity and as long as we keep producing bigger and better stuff that these machines can then draw off of and create from, that's fine. But if, if this is a tool that just stumps us in our tracks, and we end up completely just brainless and unable to create anything, that's where the issue comes in. So it's mm. like, mm. how are you going to use it, boys? You know, maybe That's one of my worries. Yeah, yeah you're right. Spot on. It's crazy, hey? You know? Um, but, like, I, like again, I, I see it having its place in society. Especially, like, say, for example, you're really dyslexic. You know, you're, you're one of those kids at school who struggles – you know, you, you have the right thoughts in your head to, you know, to, to make a report or to write an, uh, uh, an essay, but you, you struggle with the words. You don't know how to format it properly. You know, you struggle with this, but you can, he can go and someone who's like that can go on a chat GPT and say, I need to write an essay on this and put as much input as possible, you know, and then it'll bang and go bang and it'll, it'll write it for that, for that kid. And that kid's going to read that and go, oh, okay, that's how I should be writing it, you know, and, and it might help them learn in that sort of regard. 
or it, you know, or they could rely on it too heavily and just produce all the work for them. But at the same point, that kid is putting in the input it needs for them to create that that uh, that essay to begin with. You know, like he still have to put his own spin on his own thoughts into it. But he just, you know, maybe that kid's having struggle writing it, for example, and it's just helping him write that. Or maybe they're a foreign language student and they need, they have been struggling, or, you know, they've only just been in the country for two years and they don't know much English, but they've been thrown into a public school, you know, and they're struggling. And this could help them, you know, accomplish that task. And while it's producing the work for them, they're also reading it for themselves and they're learning, okay, this is what I need to do to produce this. This is how it should sound, you know, and it's helping them learn that way. You know what I mean? So, again, it's that double-edged sword. The kid could be using it to cheap it in a sense. Maybe that kid's also doing the right thing and learning from this, you know. Um, here we go. Here's another one from the Sydney Morning Herald. ChatGPT won't take your job, but you will need to learn how to use it. Um, here we go. So they're saying blokes like uh, software engineer, this guy, creative director at Litmus Digital, is already using the AI to replicate large parts of his work. ChatGPT excels at writing the algorithms that sit at the functional heart of good code. And that's right, this thing can write computer code. Ethan, you can actually go into ChatGPT and say, write me a WordPress plugin that allows me to do this, 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 and this, you know, and put in as much input as possible, and it'll write you a plugin that you can probably then use on your website, mate. Mm. Yeah, wow. Have a think about that. You know what I mean? Like that's that's powerful. That's helpful. You know, instead of going to pay someone or or asking the community to try and come up with that sort of stuff for you, it's going to do it for you in seconds. You know what I mean? Andy, did you want to say something? Oh, I'm just blown away by the fact that it can actually write software as well. Yep. It can write code. It can if you're having problem with your code and it's not working, you can put your code that you've written in chat GPT and say can you find any errors in this code? And it'll it'll identify the errors for you, and it'll it'll recommend fixes for those errors as well. Like it's it's fucking it's pretty amazing, you know. What I mean, this technology is incredible. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, applications are obvious: report writing, internet copywriting, graphic design, software engineering, social media marketing, customer service. ChatGPT said uh, itself said it expects. Jobs that involve repetitive tasks, data entry, and simple decision-making are most likely to be replaced. Customer service representatives, telemarketers, and data entry clerks. So anyone in those fields, um, either learn how to use this really quickly or find another job because <laughs> this shit is coming for you. And in, in, in probably in 12, within 12 months, you, you might be out of a job, basically. You know? um, I would just recommend that people like that in those industries, learn to use and harness its power right now, you know what I mean? And try and get ahead of it. Um, it is hard to imagine society will lament the loss of telemarketers, but ChatGPT's answer is somewhat modest. Few would consider radiology simple decision-making, yet a radiology AI performs almost as well as experts on radiology fellowship exams. A medical AI achieved a 92.9% accuracy answering a battery of common health questions. ChatGPT itself can almost pass US medical licensing exams. Like I've seen reports of this and it's taken it multiple times. And I can tell you, it, it gets like a C plus on, on these exams. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it, that's a pass. It's passing medical exams in, in the States and stuff. I've seen it. It's, it's um, passed bar exams with like B pluses. 
in their marking, basically. Like this chat GPT can be a lawyer, you know what I mean? Like, and that's not a new concept too, because in the States, I remember like a year or two ago, um, I can't remember the name, it was something like Don't Pay or something was the name of this this um, AI company, these guys, they were like, well, we're going to go into court as a person. We're going to have an earpiece in. We're going to be connected to AI. And if you have a simple traffic ticket or something, we'll go in, we'll represent you. Well, I'll be representing you, but I'm not representing you. AI is representing you. And every time a judge or someone says something, you know, someone's hearing it, it's going through the microphone, it's getting typed into the AI. AI will then prompt a response. Or, or it's just listening for you anyway, and it's just giving you a response and what to say. And then the lawyer person is going, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then they're getting people out of tickets. You know what I mean? Like, this is the, 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 <laughs> the things it can do is incredible. See, yeah. Um, like I said, this thing can, it's, it's passed the bar exam in certain states. You know what I mean? Like, it can be a lawyer for you. <laughs> so, I mean, like, you can actually go, if you're having trouble, you know, I, I did see another example. Someone, um, what was the example? Uh, it was like a construction company was failing to do something for one of their clients, like in their, well, they were getting a house built, for example, and the construction company were doing, being a bit dodgy and all this sort of stuff. And the person went into AI, um, OpenAI, sorry, um, ChatGPT, and said, "Write me a legal letter threatening this construction company if they don't come back and fix this, 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 and this." And it did it. And the guy was there like the next day after he'd sent the letter out and stuff because he thought he was being threatened by lawyers. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's. It's full on. And the guy was like, because I, would, I wouldn't know how to write that. I don't know how to write a legal letter. You know, I don't have to pay someone to come and do this. It's costing me so much money already. So he just asked ChatGPT to do it for him. You know what I mean? Like, it's incredible. Um, fascinating stuff. There we go. Um, what's, uh, here we go, out of the Guardian. So, of course, uh, countries like China, you know, China, of course, has the Iron Curtain. You know what I mean? Political propaganda. China clamps down on access to ChatGPT. So they don't want to have their citizens using chat GPT because it could be giving responses that go against, uh, of course, what the government stands for over there and all that sort of stuff. So um, uh, there's an article there. If you want to go through it, uh, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Now, yeah, fascinating stuff. That was basically what the crux of, uh, of that discussion was about, boys. And I wanted to, because this is here, it's coming, it's coming very quickly. It's being used and right now in front of our faces for all sorts of things, you know what I mean? So, I mean, here, here we go. I'm going to give you guys the, the viewers an example now. So let me just make this a bit bigger. All right. Here's this. Write a children's, oh, I spell children's correctly, story about two animals named Ethan and Andy. Once upon a time, in a piece, this is real time. Just look how quick it's doing this. You guys see this? I'll read this for the, for the listeners. Once upon a time, in a peaceful forest, there lived two animals named Ethan and Andy. Ethan was a playful rabbit, and Andy was a curious fox. They both loved to play and explore the forest together. One sunny day, Ethan and Andy were playing hide-and-seek. Ethan found a cozy little cave and hid inside it. But as he was hiding, he accidentally kicked a small rock, which fell outside the cave, making a loud noise. Andy heard the noise and went to investigate. He saw the rock and realized that it had fallen from the cave where Ethan was hiding. Andy called out to Ethan, but he didn't answer. He became worried and went inside the cave to check on his friend. When Andy entered the cave, he found Ethan lying on the ground, looking pale and weak. 
Ethan had accidentally eaten a poisonous berry while he was hiding in the cave. Andy quickly realized what had happened and he knew he had to act fast. Without wasting any time, Andy ran to the nearby river and brought back some fresh water. He then poured the water into Ethan's mouth and tried to help him vomit out the poison. <laughs> After a while, Ethan started feeling better and his color began to return. Andy stayed with Ethan the whole day and took care of him until he was fully recovered. From that day on, Ethan and Andy's friendship grew even stronger and they became inseparable friends. Ethan learned a valuable lesson that day to always be careful about what he eats and to never play with things he is unsure of. Andy also learned that true friends are always there for each other, even in the toughest of times. And so Ethan and Andy continued to explore the forest together, but now with even more love and respect for each other. They knew no matter what happened, they would always be there for each other, just like true friends should be. That was written in about five seconds, folks. <laughs> Doesn't that blow you away? It's crazy. It, really it sounds is. like an actual kid story. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Like it's it's the, the the possibilities of this thing and the creativity part of it is is almost endless. Like you could then type in um, change the fourth paragraph and make it more exciting, and it'll do it. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to do it right now, but you get the gist of it, right? If people are watching this, you can see how powerful this is. I could upload that. I could or and I could copy that, right? I could go over to um, what was the other one I mentioned? Dolly 2, the other, the open AI version of their image software. And I can say, here's my children's story. Create images that go along with this story. And it'll give them to you. It'll create imagery for you to put in the story. You can then upload that to Amazon as a digital version, digital book, and start fucking earning money from it. You know what I mean? They're not going to know it was written by a computer. They're not going to know it was these images were created by that unless... I mean, I did say there was an example earlier that someone was doing this and Amazon took it down. But I, from what I remember, the only reason they took it down was I think they copyrighted the images for some reason. I'm not particularly sure why, but um, I don't I didn't really look into more of that. But what I'm saying is, like, that, that's how powerful this sort of stuff is. And like I said, right at the beginning of the show, folks, challenging misconceptions, the positive aspects of sovereign citizen movement in Australia not written by me, the whole article written by AI in, like I said, in about three or four seconds, just like you saw right then with the kid's story I put up. Crazy, crazy powerful stuff. I think, folks, you need to be aware of this software. You need to know its capabilities. You need to start looking into this, folks. This is just a brief introduction that I've given uh, Andy and Ethan here as well. Um, Andy, before today's show mate have you i'm getting i gather you probably have heard of chat gpt but have you looked into it did you know anything about it other than what i've given you from this show today mate i never i never knew it existed there you go yep and and you know you guys have a lot to do with sort of technology and and stuff with your company as well too some of your companies you know what i mean So Say that, you mean you're a, bit, you're a bit faint there. Sorry, sorry. I mean, I, I, for probably the last 10 years, I've definitely got more into involved in that. And anything to do with our web, WordPress sites, I generally let other people do it. But now I'm thinking maybe they're just using this technology so I can just do it myself. Yeah, mate, they could be. And and honestly, you, you could start using this sort of stuff for yourself. You can, 
it, it has what they call an API functionality as well. So I asked it, I didn't even know what that fucking meant. So I said, what does API stand for in reference to ChatGPT? I actually put this in ChatGPT. It says API stands for Application Programming Interface. In reference to ChatGPT, the API refers to a set of protocols, routines, and tools that allow other applications or services to interact with ChatGPT and access its functionality. This enables developers to build applications and services that utilize ChatGPT's language processing abilities, uh, capabilities, such as chatbots, virtual assistants, and automated content creation tools. So you could, like I said, you could say, write me a WordPress plugin that utilizes ChatGPT as a prompt or search tool or something, you know, and it'll start creating that for you. You know what I mean? Like um, you can use it as a plugin. You can say, you know, write me the code to put this as an app on my phone in, you know, that sort of thing. Like it's just incredible. So there you go. So um, Andy pretty much had, you know, yeah, no, no sense of what this was and, you know, didn't know anything about it until today. Ethan, I think you did mention you'd heard of it before and had a bit of a crack or something. Give us, give us your take on this, on chat gpt as uh, as an introduction level in this episode mate yeah i think it was a good uh, introduction you know to anyone out there that hasn't heard of it i think we always do a good job um you know offering both sides of the coin which a lot of people aren't doing it's either you know fear and gloom or 100 percent positive but there always is a double-edged sword to everything in life and it's always about how you use it so Hopefully, we've been able to give that perspective um, on this episode today in terms of this new emerging technology. But as we explored, it's 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 sort of been building for years since the the day of the calculator to you know more recent, as you said, like NRMA chat websites and stuff. So we're mm. sort of seeing the manifestation of this machine learning. But yeah. again, it, it really is just how you use it. Yeah, we're in the early days. This is the infancy. This is the infancy. Remember back in the day was when we had dial-up and we're getting online and, you know, we're trying to search the internet and, you know, Google was brand new and, you know, didn't even have YouTube back then and it was Google Video or whatever and, you know, there was all these different things you were trying to use and look at online and, you know, there was what they call it, uh, internet relay chat, you know, when you wanted, there was no messenger, you wanted to chat the people, you have to sign up with IRC and chat with people, you know, like um all that so it was in its infancy you know it was cool it was it's exciting it was you know you're learning new things about it and stuff and and now look where we are now look what we can accomplish now we didn't even have video chat back then boys and look what we're doing now we're creating podcasts with with guests from around the world in real time you know and doing a video version of that you know and then and getting members to help us contribute to create keep creating this stuff you know like that wasn't around back then you couldn't do that you know there was no subscription stuff like it's just insane how far we've come so people need to kind of realize that this is in its infancy it's early days and it's being tested and um i think we need to be very cautious of it as well but keeping an eye on it just be very mindful a lot of the things we talk about is just being mindful of these things that we come across you know and uh be wary of how you use them you be you know and and Keep your eye on the prize in a sense, because there are people out there in the world right now that are using this technology. And cast your mind back, fellas. Do you remember, fuck, I think it might have been the end of maybe season three. We were kind of like, what What do we see? We were like, well, what's what's the next big thing? What's What are we seeing coming up in future? Lads? What's what's our next big concerns? And we sort of went around the table and stuff. And I, I, th- I thought deep fakes were going to be huge, right? 
and and we've all seen where that technology has gone now. Like it's incredibly powerful, the deep fake technology stuff, and you know, putting other people's voices in. You know, in people can have fun with it on an app on their phone now, and put you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger's face and and voice to your mates' video and stuff. You know, what I mean, like it's fun and cool, and yeah, there's little comedy things you can do with it. But this technology, especially in terms of conversational stuff like this, like you can you can sit there and have a conversation all day with ChatGPT if you wanted to, asking it different questions and giving it information, blah, blah, blah. Who's to say that in future, further down the track, that we're interacting with someone, a guest on the show, who's not even there. They're, it's a computer-generated person, you know? People have done that before and said, I want to create a person, artificial person. They might be a male. They might be this roughly this age, this color hair, this facial hair, whatever. Create a person. Bang. And it puts up and on the screen. It looks real. Look like a real person. Look like I'm be looking at Andy. But it's all AI. And you wouldn't even fucking know. And then we're, we're talking to this new Andy. And it's talking back to us like a real person because it's using now. Maybe now it's going to be interfaced with chat GPT. Or the newest version of it and we're not going to know the difference it's you know what i mean like there are unlimited possibilities with this almost um and i just think like i said mindfulness we've got to be very mindful of this sort of stuff we're going to see a lot of fuckery coming up with this in things like mainstream media and stuff and we, we we're already surmised that we're seeing that now with things like are we even looking at president joe biden or is that ai is he even standing there on the platform in front of the white house you know what I mean? Or is that a green screen and we're just seeing computer-generated stuff? You know what I mean? Like, is he saying these words or is he using version two of ChatGPT and depression? And he can't even fucking say words probably because it's not actually him talking. It's fucking an early version of ChatGPT. <laughs> Who knows? Like, I mean, like, this is what I mean. We've got to be very wary of this sort of stuff and keep your eyes peeled even Hopefully. more now because this, <laughs> this technology is accelerating very quickly. So I wanted to bring that to the yeah. forefront in this episode and let people know because it's here, guys. It's here and it's here to stay. And it can be a very useful and a very powerful tool. But like a knife, it has a double-edged sword. It could be used for to harm. It could be used for, for good. Just be very careful, folks out there. That's what I'm saying. Now, the other thing I wanted to bring up, boys, this I thought, because we you know how often we talk about uh the matrix right we, we refer to it all the time don't we we talk about the matrix and how poignant that kind of movie is and, and the themes and the narratives and everything put across in it and how meaningful it actually is to where we are right now in society and stuff now i didn't know this right this was this kind of blew me away when i heard it the other day not really got a lot to do with what we're talking about now maybe a little bit but i'm gonna play the audio and, and switch to the video so you guys can kind of see this at the same time. So I can't share fucking audio because it annoys me, but here we go. So this is the Sophia uh, Stewart. She was the writer of The Terminator and The Matrix. So she's in, being interviewed here. Now listen to this. How did, how did you come up with The Terminator? Take us there and The Matrix. It was a script in a book. The Terminator is the prequels to or uh, the beginning of the Matrix. Sarah Connor is actually Neo's mother. So JC, John Connor's 
Jesus Christ grows up to be Neo, one and the same in the Matrix. The Matrix is in the future. The Terminator is the past. It's time travel, past, present, and future time travel. It's the second coming of the Christ, the evolutions of consciousness, man versus the machine. So the machines, the Terminator machines, hear that a child is going to be born that's going to terminate them in the future when they oppress man. To see, it's a man versus the machine. It's God's children versus man's children, which was technology. So man versus nature. Exactly. So the Terminator has to time travel to the past because they know it's Sarah Connor. And they have to kill her, terminate her, so she won't have the baby. And Kyle Reese, he comes from the future to protect her. And he invertly gets her pregnant. And he has to go back to the future. And so it's the Immaculate Conception, because now she's pregnant and she fell in love with a man, but did it really happen? Did he exist? And then this child, when you see the three Terminators, the, the, the boy and then the man child, subconsciously, he doesn't know why the Terminator is trying to kill him until he's hidden out in the city, in the Matrix, the future. When he reaches 30 years of age, the rebellion reloaded revolution starts and the rebels come and they find him because they've been watching him all along that's what the guardians and the sentinels are all about and so they wake him up to his purpose they take him to morpheus to train him to fight the machines they take him to the oracle because of the prophecy so this is the whole epic story it's an epic it reminded me of muhammad ali he was a very very great friend of mine and the Neo character is actually created from him being a black superhero for us, a living one at that time. Well, where does it come from in your DNA? Your well, my grandmother, full-blooded Cherokee, uh, she was a shaman. So uh, the Oracle is actually created from me. I created those characters and it's based on myself as a visionary seer. So I have a gift, uh, but multiple gifts. <laughs> did any of you know any of the did you know that terminator was actually connected to the matrix that's a, that was the first i heard when i saw that video that fucking blew me away i couldn't believe it <laughs> no no isn't that fascinating <laughs> crazy crazy stuff and i hope that blows a few people away maybe there's some more food for thought there as well uh yeah just yep, to give it a whole episode more. on that I know. That's like I know we mentioned when we did the music episode that we should totally do uh, an episode on movies as well and stuff. So us three boys might need to get together and start doing a <laughs> another podcast for the members about movies and this sort of stuff because that is amazing. It blows me away how yeah, it was well, about the yeah. Immaculate Conception and yeah, it was the prequel to The Matrix and oh fuck me, blow me away. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Uh, Andy, you're really faint, mate. What's going on there? I can barely hear you. How's that? Is that better? Oh, that's better. That's better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't believe for a second that that woman was like, you know, the actual originator of the whole thing. I think these ideas are definitely like installed and they, and they pick special people to actually present them. Definitely the Matrix and the Terminator are very, you know, like 
orchestrated type of movies to to put certain thinking to the public out there and you know to say that she created both of them i i i find it difficult to believe that yeah right okay you have doubts that that she wrote these yeah well maybe she had maybe she was gifted with it but like i don't think she came up with that all on her own okay interesting yeah but anyway, yeah, it's interesting that they're linked. They're, oh, oh, maybe there's a there's a close link with the two films. That's something I didn't too. But like, yeah, it's it's really interesting. Yeah. It's funny though because I'm actually looking at. Uh, I'll go her name here, Sophia Stewart. Uh, and like Wikipedia doesn't actually come up with her name. So I'm not sure what's going on there. I don't know. Maybe I just gave uh, uh, some false information there, but let me just have a look here. Here, Was it? Let's see what's coming up here. Oh, okay. Interesting there. So, so she was suing the creators of Matrix and Terminator. Sophia Stewart is an author from Las Vegas, Nevada, and not too long ago she exposed Hollywood elites for stealing her creative works. <laughs> oh, wow. So she's not listed as the writer, but she's claiming she's the she wrote this. She wrote them and she's trying to sue them because they stole her her work. Typical wow. Hollywood. Walt Disney did that a lot. Yeah, that's fascinating. Well, there you go. I'll put a link to that uh, information there. Very cool. I actually did hear about that actually a while ago. Now I'm just, you know, it's it was mentioned. It's sort of jogging my memory. I do remember seeing, hearing something about that, someone talking about the Matrix and how someone else wrote it and it was stolen from, from a writer. That actually now rings a bell. I can't remember what podcast, maybe you know, High Side Chats or something I was listening to. And you know, one of the guests mentioned that. Yeah, that does ring a bell now. Wow, fascinating stuff. Well, they right, include. Well, go for me. They include um, they include Jordan, uh, Baudrillard's simulation and simulacra as a as short cutscene for like two seconds in that's, the Matrix that's where movie. He, yeah, that's at the start where he's hiding the shit inside the hidden book, like the book yep. that's got the yeah. And did you notice the page that he turns to to get access to that? Which page? In, in that simulacra and simulation book, he turns to a particular page, a particular page in the book where he accesses the hidden compartment in the book. And the chapter is called um, uh, Nihilism or something about, it's about nihilism, which was, um, you know, a Latin word for meaning nothing or something. Nihilism meaning uh yeah because I, I was i watched it the other day yeah nihilism is a philosophy or family of views within philosophy that rejects generally accepted or fundamental aspects of human existence there you go <laughs> and that just happens to be the, the the chapter he turns to in that book of simulation and simulacra to access that hidden compartment because <laughs> oh, i was looking i was going i, I paused i went wait a minute what did i just see there so i rewound it 
And I looked at it again and went, oh, okay, what's the name of that book? Oh, okay, cool. So I made a note of that and I looked it up. I was like, oh, okay, that's an interesting book. It might be a good read. And then I... Incredible read. And then I, I played it again. I, I continued playing it and I was like, oh, wait a minute. Pause it again right where he accesses the little hidden compartment in that book to grab the digital software or whatever for those people that are at his apartment. And I was like, what is the name of that, that the title there? And I looked at it and I'm like, oh, it says... Yeah, it's like nihilism or something, it says. Um, I was like, what's that? And I looked it up, and I'm like, there you go, yeah. Um, yeah we, we certainly live in an era of mass nihilism. That's what Nietzsche absolutely predicted with the fall of God, the death of God, as he called it, um, a mass era of nihilism. But, yeah, the, the Simulacra and Simulation book, you know, was a, a groundbreaking book talking about symbols and simulation and the coming era of hyper-reality. And, you know, it was written in the 1970s, or the 80s before all of this really started to kick off it sort of paved the way in, in terms of showing us this distinction which we've spoken about this whole episode between what is real and what is a simulated um simulacra as he calls mm. it as part as the as pa- part of the greater simulacrum which is just our mass hallucination of humanity that is sort of overlaid with the digital world and eventually you won't be able to know what the real was anymore. We've got digital copies of the real now, but then once the hyper real comes in, you won't be able to find what the real is anymore. Overlays, mm. you know, over your eyelids and stuff like that. The gamification of society. And that book really laid it out. And it's interesting that that is included in The Matrix, which the entire theme around it is centered around that type of reality not existing and being simulated as well mm. 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 and this is it here so you can see on the screen now boys that's the book that he grabs like ethan's just referring to for the viewers out there the members watching that's where the little hidden stuff is you keep the little compartment there but it's very faint and i can't quite see a, a proper picture of it but it does sort of say i wonder if this one's going to be easier to read no it's really small um there it is. That's a better one there. Uh, that actually says a little, I can't remember the word there, but it does say something nihilism on that chapter where he opens up the book to access the compartment about nihilism, right? So uh, that's where I, I was very interested in it. It all fits in the, um, you know, like I said, if you go from the, on uh, just searching for it here, nihilism uh, is a philosophy that rejects values and the valuation of society, places on people, objects, and life. Uh existential nihilism can be defined as the philosophical position that there is no intrinsic value or meaning to life um you know what i mean that's what the matrix was you know there was it wasn't real you know so there's like another little easter eggs in the movie that you know you kind of you really have to watch carefully if you'll miss them otherwise and that was very clever that they put that in there i thought so there you go and there's that website there for that uh that, that lady sophia stewart about about the books, uh, her claims of you know, all that sort of shit about the writers, the creators, and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'll put that in the show notes so people have a look at it as well. Um, well, that about wraps it up, gentlemen. That um, Hopefully, I was blowing some mind holes like I wanted to with um, today's show. Um, I think I pretty much, Andy, I reckon I've kind of blown you away, brother. <laughs> been a very, a little bit quiet because I think you've been like, oh, my God, what's going on? Is this real? Am I talking to the general? <laughs> oh, man, all right. be... oh, you're faint again. You're faint again. What's going on with your microphone? 
better? Yeah, that's good. I can hear you now. Um, yeah, I mean, you're obviously excited about it, but sort of, um, I'm letting, I'm letting you roll, man. Letting you roll. But um, <laughs> I know, I know you've said countless times, and Ethan has too, that it's a double-edged sword. I'm just, unfortunately, I'm, I'm seeing the negativity side of it, and not so much for like, you know, even people like of our age, but like I'm thinking of like the next generation coming through the school age kids of now what kind of people that they're going to be with this kind of tech um i mean even now i'm seeing like like school age kids that i interact with you know at the at boxing and stuff and they can't spell um none of them can like add or subtract or divide or multiply without grabbing their phone um you know like even even university students can't you know add or subtract without getting a calculator. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder what with this kind of tech, how what kind of people that they're going to be ten years from now? Will they struggle to even make a sentence that 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 is something that they've created from their own mind? I can't help but f- my strong feeling is, man, you're just like just gonna just dumb people down to. Uh, a complete idiocracy. You remember that movie, like mm. stage, that sort of everything, you know, their devices are going to think for them, do for them, everything. So it's sort of, I don't know, that, that's that's what's in my mind at the moment in regards to this kind of technology. Not so much like this year or maybe not even for next year, but like down the track when when these children are actually, you know, meant meant to be the the governors and the prime ministers of the world in the in the future what what kind of people are they going to become from this technology yeah mm-hmm. i'll leave those I'll leave those thoughts there general yeah and i completely i get where you're coming from and i, I understand it completely mate and yeah uh, there's a part of me that i think um that those concerns are are very warranted uh, um Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Um, but I kind of, I just kind of, part of me tends to think, well, you know, we're not we're not living in twenty years ago, you know, when we didn't have search engines and stuff, or they weren't that prolific back then, you know, and and now they are. So if I want to get on and, like I said, I wanted to look up just before on the screen show, I was doing simulation simulacra and that part of the movie and things like that because that technology is very handy and I just did that instantly, you know what I mean? Because the technology exists for me to be able to do that. You know what I mean? It doesn't make me less intelligent because I had to use it to do that. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, the, the long version of me doing that is getting, playing the movie, you know, using another piece of technology, perhaps my phone to take a picture of that, upload that to my computer, another piece of technology, to then send it to you to show you using more technology, you know what I mean? So it's it seems to be, in my opinion, it's 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 more about a progression of where we've come and where we're going. Does that make me less smart because I've used any of that technology? I don't understand how it fucking works. I don't understand how all this shit works, but I use it. Does it make me less intelligent though, Andy? You know what I mean? Like I know you 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 have that worry, and I do too, because we see examples of this when you see videos of people going up with an analog clock going up to students going, what time is it? 
and they can't fucking tell you what time it is because they can't read an analog clock because all they've got is digital everything. But in the we're, we're you know we're progressing more and more in the future, but maybe we're not going to have that analog clocks anymore. Not as a bad example, let's just say for lack of a better better example. Maybe in twenty years' time, people just don't use analog clocks anymore. It's very rare to see them and stuff, and they've got to relearn how to you know to to use that that sort of technology to that to them that's an older technology and stuff. But you know what I mean? Like we don't they don't need it now. They've got they carry a phone. You know what I mean? Like it's like when people back in the day you you, know, you watch movies of the nerds and they've got a calculator in their pocket. They're not sitting there grabbing a piece of paper and writing out maths or stuff. They're just getting a calculator and going blah blah blah, blah bang, and giving you the answer because they're using that little piece of technology to help them or to give them things faster, to do things for them and stuff. Well, yes, I agree with you that this could be, we could be starting to see quite possibly the, a further dumbing down of, of society and people in it because they're not using it right. They're not using the technology right. So, again, this technology is in its infancy. Um, I think people need to get on board, get in front of it, and maybe learn how to use it to advantage um, you know, but without sacrificing their own abilities, you know what I mean? Like I said, I've I use several pieces. I would use have to use several pieces of technology that I don't understand how it works, but I'm using them right now. But again, does that make me an idiot? You know, so I get what you're saying as well, but I think there's a lot. It's a very deep discussion, you know. Um, at the same time, Ethan, feel free to chime in on 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 this as well, mate. Um, I, I don't think Andy's wrong at all, but I just think it just warrants a bit further discussion on that particular part the the reality is is that both scenarios are going to happen and i think that's where it comes back to the distinction that we always make of this concept of the difference between us and them this whole great split concept that's where things are going to go like i believe that we are a different breed of the same species and that's sort of what explains the differences between us, even though they tell us we're all the same. There are certain, just like there are smarter breeds of dogs, there are dumber breeds of dogs. And it's, for me, this whole great split, yes, it's going to, for probably the large majority of people, be a negative thing, just like social media and the internet has been for them so far. It's probably, as Andy said, going to mush them completely brainless and replace any thought patterns that they do have but on the other side of the fence for us i'm confident that this type of technology could make my kids 10 times smarter than i ever was the same way you know that the internet has made me 10 times smarter than people that may not have lived that lived before you know the internet era that weren't able to just search books from the 1930s in a second with the internet archive and read them you know they would have to travel to libraries all across the world to gather the information that we can learn in an hour so Mm. i believe that for us for the people that see the benefits and use it for benefits it's going to be an incredible tool for us if we use it right but at the same time there are people using this to further enhance their slave system, this mm. post-human slave class that they want of dumbed-down mm. people that are just smart enough to do the tasks but are dumb enough to not ask why. And that is the Epsilon agenda. That is the class of Epsilons that they want to create, and this is a massive part of that. But for us, we can use this as a good 
tool. We can use it as a weapon to keep that type of nonsense away from us. And we shouldn't be afraid of it. Just like everything is, is constantly changing, we need to, to see how we can use this to our advantage. So mm. I think both scenarios are going to happen. And that's why instead of attacking the technology itself, we need to be attacking the, the mega corporations and the billionaires and the psychopaths that are rolling this stuff out for negative purposes. It's not the coder sitting there being paid by them to write the code and come up with this incredible magic that's the problem. It's the person that he works for that then is taking it to make billions and, and manipulate humanity. So if we can just break mm. that chain of control, this could be a wonderful resource. And mm. the only reason I still fundamentally, like if I had a choice, I would rather be in a world without it because, again, just like that lady that you put up, her interpretations of the sort of the Terminator and, and Matrix story, there is this deeper question of the battle of man and machine being sort of a um, almost like a religious depth in terms of sort of the antichrist and, and goodness and humanity mm. versus the dehuman or the transhuman. So as long as we avoid that situation and, and, and do the right things with us in our own community, we can use this as a tool, but it's definitely going to, to mess up a lot of the world. And I'm not on those levels where I can make those decisions, whether it's good or not for everyone, you know, I'd mm -hmm. hate to be at those levels, but I'm going to use it for good. And it's up to you how you choose to use it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think like in conclusion, like, AI technology can be both a, a powerful tool for positive change and a potential source of negative consequences as well. Um, you know, on the positive side, AI has the potential to transform various fields from healthcare, education, transportation, manufacturing, uh, can help us solve uh, complex problems and make more informed decisions, uh, which can, of course, then lead to better outcomes for individuals and society as a whole. However, then you've got the negative use of AI can't, can't be ignored either. Like misuse of AI can lead to discrimination, um, privacy violations and other harmful effects. Uh, AI can be used for malicious purposes such as spreading disinformation uh, or even autonomous weapons or something. You know, like uh, as with any technology, it's important to consider the ethical implications of AI and take steps to mitigate this potential harm. Ultimately, the responsibility um, of AI technology is key to maximizing its benefits and minimizing its risks, which is what we're sort of talking about. Um, by promoting transparency and accountability and ethical principles in the development and deployment of AI, we can work towards creating a, a positive, a more positive and uh, equitable future for all. Um, and uh, here we go. Don't mean to fuck with you all again, but everything I just uh, said there was written. You tricky. <laughs> <laughs> You're tricky. <laughs> all of that, folks, was written by ChatGPT, what I just said there. I said, write me a closing statement on positive and negative uses of AI technology. And there you go. Everything I just said just then. And I just tried to format my speech to make it sound like I wrote that. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I know, but this is what I'm saying. You've got to be wary. I thought I thought that was the longest closing statement you've ever ever done. <laughs> oh, you were putting me to sleep. 
Oh, but isn't that isn't that funny? Like I, that that came up in fucking three seconds. I just said write me a closing statement, blah blah blah. Bang, there it is. Three three paragraphs, which is well formatted, well written, but yeah, ultimately probably a little boring, but still had good context in it too. You know, so there you go. That's how fucking easy this shit is to use and how powerful it can actually be. Um, yeah, full on guys. Get. <laughs> I think you you got to get ahead of this thing. That's my personal opinion. Get into it. Start using it. At least recognize it. If you start to get a sense of how it works and what things what it can do and its capabilities, then maybe you can then recognize it in future. When I drop shit like that on you, you'd be like, Lee, stop getting ChatGPT to fucking talk for you. <laughs> that wasn't you. <laughs> a, there was no swearing in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, anyway. Yeah, that, that was the first clue. <laughs> there's no potty mouth i should have said add potty mouth to it <laughs> add swearing it probably would too let me just look here we go as an example this is gonna be fun <laughs> oh, why did it do that this is the, suddenly the r-rated version <laughs> yeah here we go um write me a closing statement positive use of my hand technology and use what do I say? Cuss words? <laughs> See what comes up. Yeah, it's probably an American AI. <laughs> oh, no, there we go. I forgot. It has limitations. He goes, I'm sorry, I can't fulfill this request as an AI language model. It's not appropriate. So it does have a priority. If it deems something inappropriate, it tells you that it can't do it. And offensive language is one of those things. I forgot about that. Sorry, that's my bad. There you go. Um, a nice bloke. Yeah. <laughs> Good on you, chat GPT. He's very wholesome. Very <laughs> Very, Only very because awesome. we told it AI to be. <laughs> Not because it wants to be, because we told it to be. <laughs> uh, and I say we, you know, us, but humans. There we go. All right, guys, uh, let's wrap it up there. Thank you very much for coming on and uh, doing this show for me. I hope it really did blow some mind holes for some folks out there and they enjoyed the conversation, which, of course, took place afterwards. Uh, yeah, very full on stuff. Get ahead of it, folks. Um, boys, thank you very much for coming on today. Andy, appreciate your time uh, as always. And uh, I hope, hope we Pleasure, man. hope we have some um, deep thought on this, perhaps coming in the future, because I guarantee we haven't seen the end of it, boys. Thank you very much. For you. Uh, and as well, Ethan, thanks for coming on, mate. Appreciate you guys getting up uh, early for me and, uh, and coming on to do this show for us and for our members. All righty. I could say I'll take you, I could say I'll make you But underneath all I plan to do to do is break you You could be my breakthrough, watching demons wait till I leave you and they can initiate you No one understands me, too scared to command me Walking through an empty underworld of demons dancing No one understands me, too scared to command me Walking through an empty underworld of demons dancing
forsake you I'll wait as long, as long as it takes you You will say you need me Say you don't believe me You can try but you will never, never, never leave me No one understands me Too scared to command me Walking through an empty underworld of demons dancing no 